G'day and welcome back to the Pod Pod, the Point of Difference podcast, if you will. We are doing our team preview series, talking all things AFL fantasy, and this episode is all about the Sydney Swans. I have with me five-time top 100 finisher, Stato. I've got two-time top 10 hat winner, John Harmy, and I've also got the OG Pod Pod member here, Lou, who's always cracking into that top 1,000. And yes, Dossie, of course, we know his results speak for themselves. Uh, let's talk to, first of all, the Sydney Swans and their team numbers for the year before we talk about our specific players. And I'm going to go through some interesting numbers from the squad last year. Finished eighth on the ladder, obviously made the final series, but lost to Carlton by just the one snag in that first final there. They were the 11th best team for fantasy scoring, 6th best for intercept possessions, but interestingly enough, second last for intercept marks. So seemingly they found a way to survive after losing Paddy McCartan and a bunch of injuries to their defensive stocks by intercepting the ball around the ground, but not so much in the intercept mark area. They're also a poor clearance team. So second last for total clearance differential um, ahead of only West Coast. Uh, and that was in part due to some poor ruck work in the middle. Second last for hit out and hit out to advantage differential. So also shout out to Liam on Twitter who suggested I look at some of the differentials rather than total stat numbers as they do um, show a bit of a clearer picture of how the teams are looking rather than just the raw numbers. Um, and then let's also look second most pressure acts and tackles. So typical of the horse system getting that pressure around the ground. Stato, they're your team. Can the Swans go bigger and better in 2024? But more importantly, will we see a bit more of a fantasy-friendly game from the Swans? Look, it is a little bit potential. I don't think horse um, overhauls everything. I I think there'll be a slightly different model um, in the inside roles. Uh, So the biggest weakness they actually had was uh, the, the clearances, and that's why the the Tater Adams and that's his strength. That's why the recruit is there. Um, James Jordan as well was was coming in to slice up that pie. He probably moves a little bit more outside because of the the Adams model. Um, and I think Brody Grundy sort of probably gives them a first time they've had a probably dominant ruckman for such a long time. I can't recall. Um, so uh, something new, um, and it'd be interesting to see how they utilise that. Uh, be a little bit of a, a question mark of uh, exactly how all that young talent fits in. So um, whether they still end up with the three or four that are fantasy relevant um, won't be a surprise. Uh, they haven't been hugely relevant for a bit of time and Errol's popped his head up after Lloydie sort of dropped away. But I think there'll be a few more this year and it's probably more based on the price point rather than what the ceiling is. All right, well, that was a big long-winded answer to how the Swans are going to go in 2024 and as always. bloody sensational is the answer. Sin bloody sensational. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, let's talk about some of those ins. They're going to look at their trade period and draft and stuff of what they did. So Taylor Adams came in, as you mentioned. Um, Brody Grundy also coming in to sort those hitouts out. Uh, James Jordan. And then Joel Hamling was the other one coming across 
from the Dockers. Uh, outs, Lance Franklin retiring, of course, a huge, uh, huge out for them there, but playing a little bit less in his latter years, still an absolute dominant force. So he's gone. Tom Hickey retired as well, uh, handy in that ruck line for them. And yeah, seemingly a career resurgence late in his career, Tom Hickey. So after being at the Mighty Weagles there. Paddy McCartan retired as well after unfortunately suffering all those concussions. Uh, a fantasy favorite, Will Gould, delisted. <laughs> uh, so he's back to the mighty uh, bays in Glenelg. So I might sneak down and watch him. I'm just down the road from Glenelg. So that'll be a good thing to be able to see Will Gould in action. And then probably, uh, you know, the mid-season draft to an Adelaide team here. Uh, and Dylan Stevens went away to North Melbourne via trade. So... I mean, aside from obviously Buddy, not some massive outs, but the ins are huge for them. The buy round, on the other hand, is probably one of their biggest talking points for the Swans because they do play that unfortunate opening round, but they've got the round five buy. So, and again in round 12. So they've got the two buys. But Stato, with the round five buy, you've been talking about some, you know, especially some of their options here are those mid price guys. That's probably enough time for us to earn some coin. It, it absolutely is. I mean, the only ones you want to avoid are your premiums and probably being realistic, there's only one of those and that's Errol. So he's top dollar. You probably want to let him see if what his role's going to be. Uh, if he has an absolute blinder of a start, the reality is his price is not going to go up too much, if at all, because we've got to remember the actual total amount stays and the early start of the season is when the rookies and the mid prices go up. So everyone else's break even effectively moves up. So um, if he averages the same as he did last year, he'll be cheaper rolling out of his buy. Um, but the mid prices um, and some of the potential uh, premiums are cheap enough to, to give you basically four rounds looking in. Um, and if they're not keepers, uh, you can sell them at their higher price. Um, if they are, you can retain them. And, of course, there's two of those we're talking about there. The round 12 buy lands really well. Uh, again, out of those second set of buys, it's only 15 that's rather concerning. Let's get into the popular picks, and that's 10-plus percent owned for the Swans. Talking Brody Grundy to start with, Louie, 677K, coming off the back of a year spent with Max Gorn having to play a fair bit of forward time. The dominant fantasy ruckman that he's been in the past, what's he going to do this year for the Swans, and is he just a smash play, 53% owned at the moment? Yeah, mate, I, I think he might be a smash play and uh, at that ownership percentage, which would probably be a fair bit higher in reality, uh, if he can return to those 100, 105 type scores, then uh, honestly, you're probably going to get left behind being priced at 75 and uh, everything coming out of the Swans is that Brody Grundy is totally fit, looking great, uh, is the number one and dominant ruck in there. I think we can write off 2023 a little bit. Obviously, he shared the ruck duties with Max Gorn, which really cut into what he was able to do. Uh, previous to that, he was he went at 93, but uh, part of that was injury and then still got the two tons in there. So he's got the ability to score. And I'll just keep looking. You mentioned Tom Hickey earlier, and uh, he was able to go 82 in that Swan system. So, you know, that's seven points higher than what Grundy's actually coming in priced at. And, uh, Hickey's never 
even gotten close to the the fantasy heights that what Brody Grundy has been able to achieve. So uh, for me, I think Brody Grundy is is pretty much just a set and forget guy. The only um, caveat with that being is, unfortunately, he does have an early buy. I think it might be around five. Yeah, yeah. correct. Look, I um I love Brody Grundy when he was playing at Collingwood, like a, a great player, um, that sort of thing. I just want to throw a flag out there. There's only two players last year from Sydney that averaged over 90. Errol Goulden and Chad Warner. And Chad Warner averaged 92.7. So maybe they're just not that great a fantasy side. But anyway, we'll see. Um, I just wanted to put that out there. Yes, I, th- I think just the thing... Sitting at the back of uh, fantasy coaches' minds is just how dominant a fantasy ruckman, regardless of the old situations, I suppose, that he's been in. We even look at last year, and, and like I said uh, on the other podcast, very happy to see DFS Australia's with without numbers back. So last year, 2023, without Max Gorn, Brody Grundy averaged 102 fantasy points. Even just last year, he went 106, 119, and 81. So... Um, getting was Harmy just pee-pooing because we were positive about another club that wasn't Essendon? Remember, he was rattling off 62 names that were, <laughs> were all going to turn up. Will you finish there, Doss? Just let the, let the great man finish. <laughs> <laughs> righto. Righto. Um, okay. Well, let's let's get on. I, th- I think a lot of coaches are keen for Grundy for good reason. Um, Harmy's just flown out the flag. You know, potentially the ceiling may be limited given the system of the Sydney Swans, which is a totally fair fair point to make. Taylor Adams, on the other hand, Stato, um, maybe even with some of that info that Harmy just said, especially because those two top names there he's talking about, including Warner, they are midfielders. That's the hope for Taylor Adams is that he moves back in there. 691K in a fairly, you know, hard system to score at if you're not Nick Dacos at the Pies, mid-forward. 27% ownership for Taylor Adams coming across. Yeah, I think there's about 20, 20 points upside in him. He won't go and do the 114 that he's done before. I think he'll be a, a sub-100, but I don't think he'll be too far away. Um, been talking about that sort of model, their weakness, his strength. It's the perfect four. He's had a fantastic preseason. We do need to accept it's Taylor Adams, so it comes with risk. Um, but I'll make this point, um, and, and it might be worthwhile with Yo, with Fife, and a Taylor Adams, although you need to be careful how many you have in here. We have a little security blanket for us with risk this year. If one of these risky players is named round one, they are playing. The next two rounds, you are only 18 players of the scoring. There's your automatic protection. Does that make sense? So if um, if Taylor Adams does an ankle round two, there's someone else taking his score. You're not, not left with his score on the field. So there's a little bit of protection of risk for round two, round three, and to a lesser extent, round five, round six. But, of course, that's not free reign to put every injury risk player onto your squad because if you go with um, 30 of them, you are going to get burnt. But it probably uh, it's an opportunity to take a risk, a punt uh, on someone. 
I've probably got a bit more trepidation about Taylor Adams. Uh, certainly probably presents value at 76, but going back to 2022, back when uh, Nathan Buckley was coaching the Pies and everything was a bit more fantasy friendly there, he, he only put up the 82 average and understanding that um, post round 13 or whatever it was, Buckley wasn't there. Still a little bit concerned about what that floor can look like sometimes. So he went 57, 62, 61 in there. Uh, then we look to 2023. There's this narrative that he was parked up in in the forward line, wasn't getting CBAs, couldn't score, but he still went at 40% across the year. 76, you know, it doesn't jump out too much. Does that does that go up much at the Swans? When we look at the Swans CBA mixes over the last couple of years, they've pretty much had the the one guy in there taking up the big minutes, and then there's a bit of a spread with the rest. So. Uh, it's a big role watch, I think, in the preseason. Thankfully, we do have that opening round. Uh, one thing I do really like about Taylor Adams, though, is he's got the Pies matchup in round one, which is which is the game we really want him to pop in. I think he's got a little bit of screw you about him uh, coming up against the Pies. I can just see him getting in there and uh, getting his hands dirty and maybe putting up a nice score early, which is which would be fantastic because I'm sort of looking at him more from a um, price rise early then jump off post buy more than a keeper prospect for taylor adams and just a bit of concern too that the pies sort of tapped him on the shoulder while they're in their premiership uh window just to say hey mate we we don't actually want you anymore we're going to play some of these kids uh quite often the athlete has a little bit of an ego they think they can still get it done i'm not retiring taylor adams just yet but um the coaches do know what they're talking about uh, majority of the time and just that little action in, in of itself just concerns me a little bit. Like Ken. Mm. It's a hard one, that, though. I mean, sometimes it's about money as well, you know, balancing out their salary cap space and all that sort of thing and not wanting to lose younger players as well. Just a thing on Taylor Adams, um, you said the CBAs there. I'm pretty sure it's... There was only five games last year where he had fifty percent CBAs or more, so it's actually very, it's quite low his proportion of time around the middle. Um, and he's, I think he started in the comp in two thousand and fourteen, and his price at seventy six is he? Uh, is that what it was something like that? Seventy five, seventy six. Yep. 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 The only time he has ever averaged that low is in his rookie year. From his second year onwards, he's always been higher than that. So I still feel like there's a bit of upside in his price. All right, let's move on to the next player in the popular picks for Sydney. There's still a couple more to go. Errol Goulden, an absolute gun last year, 17% owned. He comes in at $1.02 million this year though, Louis. Might be hard to pay up that that amount. Actually, I'll, I'll throw this one to you, Stato. Um, expensive players you have said to avoid, but Goulden seems to have a different type of fantasy game about him. That observable thirst is off the charts. Let's just hypothetically say he goes the 120, 130 in that opening round. Can you go there given the round five buy? Oh, personally, no. Um, so I've picked... Goulden is a bit of a regression candidate. So I think there'll be a bit more of a split that'll happen in the midfield because of the the personnel they've got. And Adams is one of those. But um, so I think he gets a regression. I, I don't think it's any more than five points. So I still think he's going to be a really important player in the season. Um, he's such a good user of the footy. 
uh, in and outside. I, I just think he gets a lot more attention firstly um, and I think that sort of the grunt players go in there so he's probably going to be potentially more outside. All right, that's an interesting take. I, I love him. I probably want to bring him in at some point and I'm almost hoping he does have a maybe a, a down game or two before the buy and maybe bring him in after that. I'm very keen on yep. him as a fantasy player and just think he's probably the next best bet of someone to average 120 if we do see it. Um, I don't know. I just I just love the Goulden factor. Oh. I think he's an awesome player. And like I said, the thirst is just probably the most thirsty player I've ever seen, plus add the skill level in there. It's crazy. Um, James Jordan, a big talking point. We've already mentioned him a couple of times. Louis, I think you've been going back and forth with James Jordan in your squad. $454,000 as a mid-forward come across from Melbourne, but a little bit cheaper price to take the gamble with him maybe. Uh, no, I haven't been going back and forth at all, mate. He's been well entrenched within my forward okay. line this preseason. Uh, priced at 50, uh, he's quite often shown that that he can exceed that quite comfortably. It's just uh, the sub rule hasn't done him any favours. I was doing a little bit of research uh, on the other side of Christmas and in 2023, uh, in non-sub-affected games, he went at 67, so you know, that's 17 points uh, upside on what he's priced at. I'm not saying it's all linear, but it's a it's a good thing to take note of. 72 across his career, which is a 51-game sample size, so that's pretty nice. That puts it up to 22. And uh, interestingly enough, his career high is 72 as well, which was in 22, uh, 2022 off the back of zero CBAs, uh, 0% CBAs. So I'm expecting a little bit of midfield time at the Swans, but he's also a very capable wingman and linkman within uh, within whatever side he's in. So uh, coming in at 50 in a forward line where, where we're really trying to find some nice options there, I think he might present a bit of value early. And uh, that round five buy, I think we can actually use to our favour um, because if he makes a little bit of cash across those four games, then we can then pivot to it could be a rookie, it could be a mid-pricer that pops, but um, I think he really provides a lot of flexibility. He's definitely one that's up there in the social media rankings for how much content's going out about him from the Swans as well. A lot of players seemingly spruiking his name from within the, the four walls as to have a bit of an impact already. So, yeah, looking forward to that. And almost 12% of coaches are on board with you as well at the moment, Lou. Let's look at the big dogs from last year, the top three averaging players from the Swans. We've talked about Goulden already at number one. He averaged close to 113 there. At number two, another guy that... Apparently loves his own work out on the football field in terms of does check his fantasy score when he comes in. I remember hearing that on the traders once. So, you know, Chad Warner averaging 93 last year. Stato, thoughts on him as a prospect for us this year? I just wonder whether he's sort of at his ceiling. I think he might be uh, a highlights um, type player rather than bog possession type player. So I think he might be round his ceiling, Mark. One of those players I think it's tough to, you know, unless you're certain he's having a breakout with the early buy. We're talking about a lot, but, you know, it's one that you'd have to be certain. Uh, looking at number three, Luke Parker, over 30 years old, um, averaged 90 last year, 811K. I think he's over 30. I don't want to uh, dismiss that, but 
he's getting towards that age. And, and I think um, for me, I just can't go there, especially given what Harmy said about the system currently not being super fantasy friendly. Obviously, the third highest averaging player and he's under 90 at 89.9. So um, let's take a look at the rookie price players because there's a couple of interesting ones here. I might just throw this one to you, Harmy, and um, just talk about any of these players that interest you. I'll just rattle off a few names in the low 200K bracket. I think there's a couple that stand out more to others, but Joel Hamling, $324,000 coming across. Matt Roberts at 245K. I think I want to talk about him a bit more. Jacob Costantly. Corey Warner, Jack Buller, or Caden Cleary, any of those guys sort of marking their taking their mark as a rookie price option for you? Uh, yeah, look, I have been interested in Matt Roberts um, and I have been the whole time like during the preseason because of a few good things he did last year and then unfortunately he lost his spot because of injury. So, um, But I'll, I'll allow you to touch on that one. The other one I will sort of say is Caden Cleary. He, uh, he got bid on. He was an academy pick, I'm pretty sure. And the same thing happened with Errol Goulden when they were sort of pretty highly touted. Um, and Goulden slid. I think he was pick 32, but I can't remember what pick Cleary was. Same sort of concept, though. He's been in their system for a long time. Um, and if he gets a game early, even though he's a kind of a bit of a shorter guy, uh, I reckon he could be a bit of a look. All right, an interesting name to be thrown around. I think the one I want to talk about to you, Stato, quickly is Matt Roberts, $245,000. He showed some very good signs in the brief moment that we saw him last year, but he's apparently playing a bit of halfback in match sim. And, gee, if he's actually named in that starting squad, he could be even an on-field option for us if he's getting the game time. Yeah, he's he's one player I'm really hot at, which is the reality is a bit of a surprise thing. He burnt the living crap out of me last year. I had two Rick rookie options to bring in sort of that mid-year time and um, I actually needed someone that had to play on field for me. So I brought him in and I think he was injured and out on a 10. So that made my uh, weekend absolutely wonderful. Um, but really rate his talent. Um Good user of the football, can find it as well, got a good junior pedigree. He looked like he was just trying to crack into that 22 and he was underway. Um, His form looked fantastic and then got injured. So as long as the reports are fully fit and as we're hearing about some good reports that match him, we see that in the practice game and opening round. He's worth a really good punt at only 245. Mature age, I'll have to check his age, but I think he's 20 or 21. Um, so he's got that sort of experience of doing some some work at the club to, to build up his form. There you go. He's 20 years of age, 184 days. So he turns 21 in the first uh, three months of the season. So... Um, got some experience, got some preparation time. Uh, he's been working at his trade at the lower level, so I think he's worth a punt. All right, love that. Uh, Joel Hamling, I know. I just know a, a listener talked about him or, or requested we talk about Joel Hamling. I don't think I could go there at $324,000 data. Just a quick thought as well. Yeah, too much. All right, um, let's 
talk about some of the pods for the Swans. Jake Lloyd has been a you know popular fantasy option for us over the years at eight hundred and ten thousand dollars. Louis, I know he was in a few teams last year, but is he an option for us in our defensive line? I think the buy really stitches him up here and um, looking at what he's done over his career, it's it's quite funny. It looks exactly like a bell curve. He improved every single season up until 114 in 2020 and he's come down every single season since. So for that reason, I think he's someone that we just pass on to start the season and uh, perhaps we trade into at some point later on. Uh, and Callum Mills, he's uh, $759,000. We know he's injured, but ramping up training. Uh, you know, he's not going to be an option for us in our starting teams, given he's probably not going to be playing in the early going. But as an upgrade option, thoughts on Mills Harmy? Like, what's his role going to be this year? Uh, I actually think his role is going to be down back when he gets um, back into the team. But I don't know. You'd have to wait for a month after he... Um a month after he's been back to even consider him because he's got to, you know, get into the team um, and prove his fitness. So I'm not really interested, mate. Okay. And for these next few players, we're we're running already pretty late on the pod. So I'm just going to go yes or no in terms of interest for these players. I'll throw it around the room. Isaac Heaney, Stato. No. All right, that was a long pause there. Louis, mm. James Rowe, bottom. Nah, nah. Nick Blakey, 644K, seems pretty cheap, Harmy. Uh, no. All right, Braden Campbell, Stato, even cheaper, $589,000. That beautiful peg that he's got. Beautiful peg, but good draft player. And finally, Angus Sheldrick, probably the best keeper prospect almost of some of those guys there. Not not the best, but uh, one of the deep keeper league players. But 513K, unfortunately, Louis, it's probably a bit too expensive. No, I like it. Uh, averaged 82. If you get rid of his sub games, which I think were like a three and a zero, uh, time on ground, super low. We're talking 57, 55% and then jumped up a little bit. Uh, in round 17, he got injured, so that score's partially affected as well. I think uh, he's someone the Swans really highly rate, and if he does get CBAs, and he did in his debut season, he was floating at around sort of 35 to 40%. He might be one of those guys of a few, uh, including sort of your, your George Wardlaws, your, your Matthew Johnsons, formerly your Paddy Dowers before he got injured, that might be that mid-priced player that breaks out. So I'm going to be keeping a massive eye on him. I'm pretty keen. I love it. Although there's that issue that he's probably the grumpiest about the recruits of James Jordan and Taylor Adams. Or maybe I'm reading between the lines here and saying Louis reckons he might be ahead of him in the pecking order based on what he said earlier about the uh, the fossils coming into the squad, especially the Taylor Adams factor. They need to get games into him, so uh, I think there's a there could be a good chance that he is. Um, yeah, everything that I've heard this preseason is pretty positive, so it remains to be seen. But at least we get uh, two two looks at him: one in the official pre uh, preseason game, and then one in the opening round. 
All right, looking forward to it then. Angus Sheldrick, keep him on your watch list. Another nice player. I like how we get a little few extra players out of doing these uh, team preview pods. So that'll do it for the Swans, though. Make sure you're following us at PodPodAFL on all the socials. You can check us out on YouTube as well, on X, Instagram, wherever you want to go to check us out. You can find us at PodPodAFL. Be sure to leave a rating as well on Spotify. We're trying to get to 250 this preseason ratings. That's a hefty goal, but... uh. I don't know, guys. It's pretty easy to do a Spotify rating these days. You just uh, click the three buttons, the three little dots, hit that rating, and that away you go. We'll see you on the next team preview pod. It's going to be the GWS Giants.